such a wonderful time of worship this morning, and, and, and we can almost leave here with a sense that the Lord has already done something in our lives. So I don't know why I still need to preach. I thought Kevin told me that we can go home now. Um, but obviously he wants to see if, uh, yeah, now that I'm an elder, that I can put something together at least. So just a little bit about myself. Um, we're a family of four. And we've been part of this congregation since 2008, 2008 for my wife, 2009 for me. And I've got two kids, Damon, um, who's uh, 18 years of age, and then uh, Isabella, which is, um, as she likes to say, almost 11. And um, I just want to tell you a little bit about my family this morning, and in, in sharing about them, um, just tied into what I feel the Lord wants us to speak about or wants me to speak about today. So we a passionate family, and we love supporting our kids in sports. And um, we love for our kids to participate and um, just be part of, 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 of sports and doing sports. It doesn't matter how well they do or how bad they do. Um, just to be part there. And, and we spoke, last, last week Kevin spoke a bit about, and he touched on sports, and I actually want to correct him, um, and I want to do it publicly. That's why I haven't... <laughs> That's, that's what I haven't told him. Um, I'm not going to spare. I'm going to spare you the interaction with the, the – you spoke about the fortune among. So but the, for those who are new, it's basically how parents support their kids next to the field, and he categorized that category as moms with fortuners. So I want to say that that's wrong. That's completely wrong. My wife. We don't drive a fortuner. We don't have a fortuner. But next to the field, she can keep, keep up with any one of those moms. <laughs> any one of those moms. And uh, there's once in the beginning of the year, Damon is now playing for, for he's under 19, so he's playing for the senior team. And they, it's very professional now. So super sport, they call it super sport schools. They broadcast all the games. So you can go onto super sport or on YouTube or on the app and watch your son play live anywhere in the world. And you can re-watch the games. So this is their first game, and um, it was quite intense in the beginning. Um, and I always like to watch the games with Damon over. And for me, my personality, you'd know me and my wife, we're completely different. I'm more a supporter, and I internalize my excitement. That's why it's difficult for me here, because I don't like it. I, I just find it difficult to... In, to express emotion outwardly. I experience it beautifully inside. <laughs> so my wife, she's the expressive one. She's the one that goes for it. And I'm re-watching this game, and this game I didn't stand with her for the simple reason that I like to focus and walk up and down and watch the games, and she likes to scream and talk to everybody and ask questions. So I re-watched this game, and now the super sport, they, it's amazing. They, they've got cameras on the field, drones, everything, you know. It's like a, watching a proper, like a Stormers play. And I watch this game, and I, and I see someone send me the clips as well on, on my phone about the camera focusing on Nicole. <laughs> and Tarina was also there, and the comment... <laughs> The commentator says, Nee, jene mense, nou het ons ook alles gesien. 
another time, just a quick one, I want to throw it in there. We're watching the game, same story, very intense. The other team's playing a bit underhanded, and my wife just screams out, Fatala 8, Fatala 8. And I'm like, I hope there's no none people of church here hearing this because then we're in trouble. And, and I'm like, babes, you can't say that. And she said, no, I didn't mean Fatala 8, I mean Fatala 8, like over the line. <laughs> so she redeemed herself. So as I was prepping, and I felt the Lord wanting me to share on this specific topic, as you guys can see, you guys can put it on the screens there. A story of my, of my daughter came to mind in the first day, or first time uh, on, uh, on the athletics field. So she's grade one. She's going for it. She's the first day of athletics. And, and I'm like thinking to myself, has she maybe inherited my athletic ability? That she's going to do very well in this, in this, this race. And she's already doing well in school, so I know she's got my, inherited my brain power. So I was like, is she going to do well? So anyway, once again, we love our kids to participate. We're not wanting them to do the best. I always say do the best. Give everything and do your best. And that's the best. But secretly, you know, he wants... Say again? Yeah, 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 yeah. So... On this stage, and I'm focusing not on the story, but I want to, I want you to, you know, have this visual thing when I'm going through the the, the scripture and the word that I want to share. So she's there, friends are there, ready to go. The guy with the gun is there, and the gun goes and she runs, and she's out of the blocks and she's fast. And I'm like, okay, maybe she did inherit my athletic ability. And then she's running and running, and she's first place, and she's going for it, and halfway through. She realizes that she's first, but now she wants to see where's the other kids. And she's running, and as she's running, she starts looking to the side. And I don't know if you've watched little kids run. When their focus go like this, they run the same way. And she ran, and she ran slower because her focus was distracted. And she ended up coming, I think, third place, but she's still qualified. And I was like, and she comes to me. Very sad because she was first and now she's third. And this is one thing. Our family is very competitive. And if anybody here has played 30 seconds with my wife, then you know where I get that from, is that they don't like to lose. And it's actually a bad aspect. I should be a better father and get it out of them. But it's not worked with Damon, and he's, he's 18 already. So I said to Isabella, you know what, I'm going to give you some advice. And I, I sort of went down like to face-to-face, and I said, you know, Papa's going to tell you one thing. Let's try this and see how you do. I say, on the next race, I'm going to stand opposite you on the other side of the field. And when you stand there, you look at me and keep your eyes on me. When you run, keep your eyes on me. She says, Papa, I'm going to do that. Next race comes, I'm excited, and I'm thinking, okay. Standing there, gun goes the bell around, she's out of the blocks again, and I can see her eyes focused just on me, running straight to me. And as the race carries on, I see a smile and I see a look at me. And I'm thinking she's probably so happy to be running to me. But then I realized she was happy because she's at first place. <laughs> and in this story, and when I was prepping for this, the Lord reminded me about this story, about someone else that did the same. Um, and I want to take a turn in the book, to the book of Matthew, uh, verse 14. And this is a story about Jesus walking on water. And this is after he's 
fed the people with the fish and the loaves. And he tells his disciples this. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain to pray, by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. So just to paint the picture, the evening they left at 6, 7 o'clock, fourth watch that they speak about here is a time between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. Now I need to get my space again. Verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the, uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on water. He said, come. So Peter got out the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink out the sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? And they got into the boat, the wind seized, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So this morning, there's different vantage points of the story. And what I want to do is I want to put us in Peter's feet, in his shoes, on his sandals. They probably didn't have shoes there. And... And I want to paint a picture, and I want you guys to think about this. They're in the sea, storms, back and forth. And these are fishermen, so you know if the storms are bad, they're used to the sea. If the storms are bad, the night was very bad. And for hours on the sea, and then they see something walk. And I don't believe, because, I mean, if, if you walk here, I'll, I'll, okay, that's my wife, and she's not a ghost. But, you know, when the winds and the waves, if it's far out, you can, you know, sort of misjudge. But what happens then, Jesus said, it's me. And they recognized his voice. And immediately Peter knew that voice is a safe space. And immediately he took his focus and put it on Jesus. And he was looking at Jesus and Jesus called him and he said, Peter, come. He was looking at Jesus. And I can imagine he's sort of sitting on the side of the boat, wanting to climb out and thinking and looking at Jesus and thinking about Jesus. And imagine that first step on the water. You don't know and, you know, like I'm walking on water, Jesus, focusing on Jesus. Takes one step, focusing, his eyes solely fixed on the person of Jesus. But then in verse 30, what happens? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And it's quite interesting, because if I explain the wind in Cape Town, I would say, did you guys feel the wind today? You know, you, you struggle to walk up straight, etc. You could say, listen, I've seen the wind in the trees perhaps. But in this aspect, I would think that they, he would say, have you seen the waves or have you felt the wind? And I believe Matthew wants to draw our attention here to the gaze and to what Peter was focusing on. And like Isabella, he took his eyes off the prize and he started focusing elsewhere. Jesus wants our eyes on him, our full attention on him. Last week, Kevin spoke a little bit about preaching, about praising, preached about praising and worshiping. And he, he, he used the analogy of pausing and praying or pausing and praising. 
And for me, that's such a great picture of, of you going about your day. And our day is full with different things. And that moment where we pause, and what, we, what do we do? We pause our day. We take our focus off the things of the world, and we put our eyes on Him. And I believe that's very important for the Lord, is, is where do we look? Where do we look? What do we focus on? So I want to use this scripture, piece of scripture about Peter, and I want to unpack it a little bit, and, and hopefully in that we can learn something and for our lives that we can apply so that we keep our focus on the Lord. And as I was prepping, um, we were at Benoni. As I was prepping, the Lord dropped his word, behold, in my heart. In the morning when I woke up, the first thing he said, you know, you need to behold me. Because I was in my mind thinking about where do we look um, and he just said, you need to behold me. And, and when I speak about this morning, about our gaze, our focus, where our eyes are at, I want you to have that picture of beholding the Lord, because that's what he wants and that's what it is. And, and I know to an extent what behold means, but you know, I, I really wanted to understand the word. And here's a, a, what the dictionary says, to see or observe someone or something especially of remarkable or impressive nature. So this morning, I want us to think that when we speak about him. We went to Benoni a month or two ago, and I've got this special thing that they call Behold. And what it is is basically you come to church, imagine here on a Monday night, there's one person with a guitar or a piano, there's nothing on the board, no set list, nothing. They play, they sing as they feel the spirit leads. You come with your book, or you can lie down, or you can stand up, you can whatever, read your Bible, but the focus is that we... And the people there turn their focus and their gaze and beholding Jesus. So I have that in the back of your mind as I'm, as I'm sharing today. So in Matthew 14, 28, it says, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you in water. So the first point, as you can see there, uh, if you can go to the next slide. The next one. There we go. We need a relationship or a connection with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but for me to say, listen, Jump on the wall, come on the water. If even if my wife tells me to walk on water, I'm just gonna say no, sorry, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. But why did Peter do that? Because he knew the person that was there. He knew the person of Jesus. He's seen the miracle, he's seen him being there, he see what he can do. And he found that he could trust him because he knew him intimately and he had a connection with Jesus. And I once uh, read this article, the story about a guy, he bought a brand new bucky. He was driving from his house to his work. It was a gravel road. He wanted to buy a new bucky. Other box, and he had it for a couple of days. And this one morning, he wanted to start it, and he didn't want to start. And I know what you guys are thinking. It's probably, what kind of bucky is this? Because I don't want to buy it. And they don't mention it, but, but, but what happened here, I can, I can probably say that it was a Ford. Because it, it didn't want to start. And he's thinking, maybe I left the light on or something, maybe, and he put the, put some multimeter on the battery, and he realizes the battery is full. But as he's looking at the battery, he sees that the connections, you know, there's, you know, technically there's a connection going to the battery, that that was, it wasn't off, but it was loose. So there was no connection between the vehicle and the battery. And um, I felt a road remind us or my remind me, is through the difficult times and through the rough times in our lives, we might be shaken a little bit, and that connection is not that good. 
And I felt the Lord tell me that if we as people are going to focus on the problems in our lives, rather than His power, we're going to sacrifice our connection with Him. We need to stay connected to Him. Matthew 14, 29, it said, He said, come, so Peter got out the boat. When Jesus commands us, we must obey Him. We must obey Him. And one thing that I see in my own life, and I've seen it uh, just connecting with people, is the misconception is that if, if Jesus called us, everybody that calls himself a Christian here, if the Lord has called you, I can, you can swing it every which way. It will cost you something. It will, it will cost you something. Luke 9.23, it says, and he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and pick up their cross daily and follow me. I don't know why I'm getting emotional. I always get emotional when my nose starts running and it becomes all messed up. But just, yeah, we'll go through it. So that, that scripture, it will, it will cost us something. That is a picture of, of denying yourself, picking up your cross. Jesus told Peter to come on water. Even though it made no sense, he did it. Why did he do it? Because he knew the person of Jesus and he knew that when he calls, he can obey. It doesn't matter the circumstances. And that needs to be our posture. When the Lord calls us, we need to obey immediately. The, only in that space, we can truly see what the Lord can do in our life. Um, so a tissue. Yes, no, it's here. So I don't want to be sniffing over the mic. That won't be good. So just like Peter, <laughs> that's not going to be good also if someone else gets that one. So just like Peter, we need to learn how to obey him. I don't know what's going on. I'm like frothing at the mouth and nose running. You know, one thing I always tell myself is like, this time I'm not going to get emotional. And I'm thinking, there's nothing emotional in what I'm saying, so I'm fine. And then I get up here, and I just feel the Lord. Matthew 14, 29. Peter got out the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. So we need to take the next step or the first step. And what is that basically? That is faith, having faith. Having faith in Jesus. Faith means stepping out. Peter stepped out of the boat and he walked on water. But one thing is true. When trouble came, when trouble came, he took his eyes off Jesus. We cannot do that. When trouble comes, we need to keep our gaze on him. We need to focus on him. We need to know, we need to know that we can have faith in, in him. And faith, what does that mean? It means stepping out. And one thing we need to know is that the Lord, we cannot do what Jesus wants to do. I cannot do what Jesus wants to do in Kevin's life. The Lord needs to do that. But one thing we need to remember is the Lord will not do what we can do. So there's always a measure of us taking the first step or the next step. It's going to, like I said, it's going to cost us something. We need to take the steps in faith in the Lord. We need to defeat distractions. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. 
Although the storm surrounded him, Peter looked at Jesus. Initially, when distraction came, he stopped looking at Jesus. His eyes are not focused on Jesus anymore. So the principle for us is very clear. If a storm comes and we take our focus off the Lord, what's going to happen to us? We're going to sink. We're going to fail. So we need to keep our eyes on Jesus in the storm. We need to. You guys are all with me? That's great. And I know this is in a way quite basic, you know? You know, we've all heard this before, and I've heard this before, but as I was prepping, I, I felt the Lord tell me that we sometimes get the basics so wrong that we can't do the, the intricate things of the Lord because we're struggling with keeping our focus on Him. We're struggling with faith. And we need to be at a place where the Lord can use us. Fear will sink you. Matthew 14, 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink and cry, cried out, Lord, save me. And this is how the enemy works, is he allows fear into our lives. Fear takes our focus from the Lord. It takes our eyes from the Lord. Just as Isabella's eyes, it's not focused. It takes our eyes off him. And the story is plain and simple. When Peter had faith, he walked on water. When he had fear, he sank. And the same is true for us. Fear will sink us. But you know, we're in a body of believers, and none of us here have to do anything by ourselves. And I'm not saying you should be this macho man and never have any fear or any situation shouldn't bother you. But what I'm saying, if that comes, draw those people in that's close to you. Draw those people in that you trust, the people over you, and let them stand in prayer with you and lift up your hands with you. We need to destroy doubt. Matthew 14.33, And those in the boat said, Truly, you are the Son of God. And this word this morning of Stacy tied in so beautifully with that and knowing who he is. And if you look at Scripture, this was the first time that they mentioned when with the disciples said that about Jesus. Truly, you are the Son of God. When he calmed the storm, they said, what kind of man is this that can calm the storm? When they saw him perform miracles, they were amazed. But this is the first time they acknowledged him as a true Son of God. And I believe there's power in knowing Jesus in that way. And if we sort of know a, a person or a or thing of Jesus or a fraction of Jesus, we cannot trust him fully because we don't know him for who he really is. Truly the Son of God. And only in that space when we know and we can tell him apart from, from, from a counterfeit and a counterfeit image. We can truly rely on, on him. And what the FBI agents do, especially those dealing with counterfeits in America, they put them in a room, they give them money, and they count that money. Day in, day out, part of the training, they count the money. Days of this must be very boring. I don't know who wants to be an FBI agent. But they count this money. And after the fourth or fifth day, I can't remember how long, they said, listen, we've put in a couple of counterfeit notes, Mutini's notes. No training, all they did is count money. They said, you need to find those counterfeit notes. And nine times out of ten, you won't believe it, they can find those notes. And why do you think that is? They've been spending so much time counting the real thing, experiencing and feeling the real thing, that when a counterfeit came, they could 
tell that out straight away. And for us, it's a beautiful picture of how we need to know the Lord, is to know Him truly. For there will be counterfeits. And we need to be able to tell the counterfeit from the true living God. We need to be able to do that. Only in this place can, you f- can we fully focus our... Sorry, this is continuing a bit. Only in that place we can fully f- have focus and attention on him. And then the last point. This went very quickly. I felt longer when I prepped it. I don't know how long I've been busy. It feels like five minutes. It's weird, eh? That's why you say, like, don't preach for 40. I know now why people can, like, how do you preach for 40 minutes? I'm like, I want to get off there in five. But now I realize how you can stand here for 40 minutes or an hour because it feels like five minutes. So last week we spoke a bit about praising and worshiping Jesus. And it's so amazing. The disciples went from through a storm, ghost, walking. Peter, oh, Peter's walking on water. Peter's almost dying. And they went from all of that to getting in the boat and worshiping Jesus. Worshiping him for who he is. He never lets us down and he always comes through. And in John's version of this story, in John 6, 21, it says, we don't have to turn there. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was to the other side of the land to which they were going. For me, this is so amazing. If you praise the Lord and you focus your attention on him and you worship him for who he is, all of a sudden you realize that these big things in your life is not that big. All of a sudden, this problem that's been carrying on for so long is not that long anymore because we're worshiping him and we're focusing our attention just on him. So we need to do the same. We need to worship him, not because, not because we have to. We have to worship him for who he is, truly the son of God. And you know what? When we worship him, it's, I don't know about you, but I cannot worship the Lord and think about things here. When I worship him, my gaze goes out to him, and he has my focus. He has my focus. And I was going through this and putting it together, and and actually a, a, a little while through, this thing just dawned on me. And I felt so safe in this space. I felt so safe. Is that we've established that Jesus wasn't just here. He was quite a ways away. The Bible doesn't say exactly how far, but Peter was walking to him. And Peter had his eyes on him. He was focusing on him. And he had all good intentions. His heart was in the right place. And I believe when he made that call, when he said, Jesus, if it's you, call me. I want to come to you. And that for me is a picture of the posture of his heart. It's just he wants to be with Jesus. And I felt so much safety because like Peter, my, that's my, that's what I want. For him to have my gaze. And sometimes I walk. And I stumble. And I take my eyes off him just like Peter did. But what happened? Let me read it for you. In verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand. And took hold of him. Sorry for this. Such a beautiful picture that we can have the greatest intention. But we do not, yes, why am I getting so emotional? <laughs> this is a powerful point and now I'm, I'm spoiling it. When we fall, he's there. Always. Always. And he's the same one. 
I really need to get, Kevin, you need to give me some points of this. I can't do this every time I preach. A Christian philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard, called the decision to follow Jesus a leap of faith like jumping off a cliff. One could not play it safe and follow Christ. Can I do that? Rather, we must be willing to risk it all. So for Peter, that was leaving the boat. And this morning, I want to ask you the question, what is that for you? What does that look like for you, risking it all? And are you willing to risk it all for Jesus? We must be able to risk it all for him. We must keep our eyes on him. Only when we step out the boat and only when we take the chance, we can fully see who Jesus is and he can fully reveal what he can do in our lives. So this morning, Jesus is here, and we've established that in the, in the, in the worship. Jesus is here. He's greater than all our fears and our problems. And this morning, I want to implore you, Jesus is waiting for us to believe in him and risk it all. We need to leave the boat, and we need to keep our eyes on him. We need to do that. Family, we need to do that. We cannot let the things of the world take our gaze away. And maybe as Hank, maybe Hank can come up. And I was prepping this, and like I said, it's very basic. But it, um, it's something in my, the Lord did something in my heart saying, and revealed to me, your gaze is not always on me. It's not. You're focusing on how are you going to do this, and how are you going to have finance for that, and where is my kids going to go next year, and whatever, whatever. And I don't let him in, and I don't give him my attention. And I felt the Lord tell me there's a lot of us here that does the same. Our problems is taking our focus from him. And we don't call, do call out or cause people to come to the front and maybe we just all stand. Um, we don't ask people to come to the front for, for me to feel that I had a good preach or whatever. And, and if it's in person, it's great. But I believe there's a lot of people here this morning that your focus is not on the Lord. And Kevin used this word this morning while he's praying, downcasted. What is that? That is looking down and casting down because the Lord does not have your full focus and attention in your situation. So for Peter, it was leaving the boat. That's what he had to do in that instance. What is stopping you this morning from putting your eyes on him, beholding him, putting your gaze on him? Is it sickness? Is it finances? Unforgiveness? Church hurts? Whatever it is, and everybody will have their own story, but I want to ask you this morning, there's something in your heart, something in your life that's taking your gaze from the Lord. Please come to the front and respond. The Lord wants us to be effective for Him. We've got work to do, people. He wants to use each and every person here, but He cannot do that if we look at our problems instead of Him. We cannot be in situations that's more important than Him. action.
respond to him. He's worthy. He died for us. As we're going into a song of worship, come to the front. Do business with the Lord. And let us stand with one another and pray for one another so we can all fix our gaze anew on the person of Jesus.